Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. So to start to me, this is no longer the Bible, not by might, not by power, but my speed. Say the Lord, God says, I believe. See Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I shall hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. God said it. I believe it. Good morning, church. I hope you're all ready. Thank you for joining us this morning. I hope you've had your breakfast, you've had your coffee, and you're ready to worship the Lord. And you're really amped up for this morning. We've got a great word coming up. We've got some great worship. But before we go into that, I just want to read us a scripture. Uh, It's Isaiah 42, verses 10. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song. His praises from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and the inhabitants, the, the, the desert and its cities lift up their voice their voices uh, the village that Kedar inhabits let the inhabitants of Selah sing to the Lord let them shout from the tops of the mountains let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praises in the coastlands the Lord goes out like a mighty man like a warrior he stirs up his zeal he, he cries out he shouts aloud he shows himself mighty against his foe You know, this passage of scripture just reminds us, you know, that the power, we need to declare things. You know, scripture says uh, what we declare on earth will be done on heaven. So this morning, as we're about to sing, we're not just, you know, we don't have a few songs to warm up the crowd before the sermon comes. But when we sing, we're declaring things into the atmosphere. We're declaring things into our own lives, into our families, into our city, into into the atmosphere all around us. So this morning, do you know, because we haven't gathered in quite a while, uh, I have some assistants that are here to help us, you know, just to remember how to do this thing, okay? So please get up on your feet, stand to your feet this morning, uh, stretch, give it a good stretch, touch your tippy toes, reach for the heavens like you're about to go to Jesus. Okay, you ready? Now, do you guys remember the church shuffle? Because I'm left-handed, we're going to start with the left foot. So, one, two, three, go. Church shuffle. So, the Bible says we need to lift our hands in praise unto the Lord. So, let's lift our hands. Don't do the tobela. Just lift your hands. And then after that, it says we need to shout for joy and jump for joy. So, let's jump and shout for joy. <laughs> Are you ready to worship? Okay, let's get into worship.
Safe when I'm with you. There is no one like. 
Jesus, we thank you, God. We're not letting go of your purposes, oh God. We're not letting go of your plans for our lives, oh God. We thank you, O oh Lord, that even in this moment, O oh God, in these times, O oh God, you are increasing our faith, O oh God. And we will follow you, O oh God. We will follow the sound of your voice, O oh God, wherever you're calling us, O oh God. May you cause our faith to be enlarged, O oh God, to be increased, O oh God, that, O oh God, without a shadow of a doubt, O oh Lord, whenever you speak, O oh God, whenever you call, that will follow you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God. Release your own sound. This is your moment with God.
keeps her head and a great woman honors her head so that her husband may be known at the city gates and her head may be lifted up among the elders of the town she submits 
not from weakness, but as a demonstration of her unparalleled strength, and for knowing her place, her head, and her heart are in perfect unity. She may not have broad shoulders, but her spine is a titanium column of uprightness and faith. She stands by her vows and she keeps them in guard. She's not weak. She puts her hand to the spindle and weaves a fabric of honor for her household. Her hands do not slack, and she's not worried about breaking a nail. She skillfully knits a cloak of affection in the garment of love for her husband and food for her kids with her fingers. Her arms are the embodiment of comfort and salvation, a cradle of hope for her future generations and a long-hope destination for her coming husband. And her chest, inside it she harbors a boom-boom-bang for a heartbeat, a staccato of drums of war, a rumbling of thunder in her battles to wane of impurity and attain to that sanctity that preserves her in eternity. And her belly is like a black box with years of experience. In her abdomen, she is pregnant with cumulative wisdom, becoming salvation and an eternally glorious future on her hips. On her hips, she births nations. Kings are raised on her thighs. Even Jesus, God incarnate, so it fits into nest on her lap. And her legs, her legs are like staves, the ten pegs of her dominion that declare firm authority wherever she stands. And as she walks, she claims her territory wherever she treats with her feet. Yes, her feet. Her feet are soiled with history as they tell a testimony saying, I know where I've been and I know where I'm going. I walk a straight and narrow path to a straight gate wherein I go in and come out and I find good pasture. You can hear their song. You can see them dance as she moves almost melodically to the voice of her groom who beckons her home to Jerusalem. A good woman keeps her head. A great woman honors her head. Yet a glorious woman, who can know her? She does not kiss every frog as she hunts for a prince or lets down her golden hair as she drops her standards with every pick-up line from the mouth of fools. But upon her even angels gaze in amazement, desiring to see these things, yet behold, they perceive not. For she is clothed with honor. She is crowned with the stars of heaven and the moon under her feet. She is strong. She is no damsel in distress. Oh no, she is an army, full of the love of God, overflowing with grace, but she wields a sword. Therefore her husband who approaches like the morning, fair as the moon, as brilliant as the sun, and as terrifying as an army with banners, will march forth as a warrior, trampling her enemies like a man treading a winepress, and retrieve her from her distress. For she is a woman of God. Good morning, spiritual family, and welcome to church once again and happy women's day to all the beautiful women out there uh, before we head on to the word i'd like to send a special reminder about our prophetic presbytery that is happening it's still happening you can still book your zoom slot you know i still believe that even in such a time god is speaking and if you're ready and wanting to receive a word from the lord please uh, book your appointment on our number which is 072 
0726-606-6747. I'll repeat, 072-606-6747. We're looking forward to hear you guys, uh, or rather to see your requests and your appointments. We're ready to impart and release what God wants you to hear. And then now, moving on to the Word. Today, we're still moving on with our with our flow series there's so much that has been happening and god has been speaking and god has been releasing so much into everyone out there so i still believe that even in this moment in time there's still something for you so today our topic is going to be or rather our series sermon topic is going to be about spiritual awareness and pastor wayne is going to be sharing more onto that so be aware and be mindful and be ready to receive. And before we head on to the word, let's pray. Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe your plans for me are good. And everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. I treasure your word more than my daily bread. I boldly confess my mind is alert my heart is receptive speak lord for your servant is listening amen good morning church i hope that you all well and you enjoyed worship this morning and you sang and gave god praise in your homes just want to say to all the women out there i hope you are having an amazing Women's Day. We just honor you. We celebrate you. We're just so blessed to have you in our lives. And uh, we hope that you have an amazing day today. Let's get into the Word of God this morning. I have a message which I want to preach called Spirit Awareness. And if you've just joined us, we're in the middle of a series called Flow. And uh, what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at a prophetic picture in the book of Ezekiel, there is this picture that the prophet Ezekiel sees of a, of a river flowing out of the temple through a, a desert and a wilderness, and it arrives in the Dead Sea. And wherever this river flows, a life begins to flourish. We see amazing trees flourishing, and when it arrives at the Dead Sea, which is dead because there's nothing in there that's living, there's no fish, there's no plants in that Dead Sea, when it arrives at the Dead Sea, it transforms the Dead Sea into a place of life and life teams. And in this series, what we've been looking at is that that picture that Ezekiel saw is actually a picture of the Christian life. You know, when we get filled with the Spirit of God, Jesus said this. He said that whoever believes in me, right, as the Scriptures say, rivers of living water will flow from their innermost being. So the Christian life is one where we have, we've been plugged into this river. We are the temple of God. And the life of God then flows through us into the world. And the world is often a desert. And, and the Dead Sea is, is, is like an allegory or metaphor for, for the world that we live in as well. It's, uh, you know, it could describe your workplace very well. You could, you know, uh, be arriving to a place that's really dead. It could describe your neighborhood as well, a place where life is not flourishing. And what we see in this picture is, is that as 
this river flows. It brings life. And, and that is really a picture of our lives. So we're, we're lifting up that picture and we're, and we're beholding it. Okay. And we, and we, and we're looking at it from different angles. And the idea is, is that we start to see that this is the life that God has called us to be. That we're, we're called to be people who flow with the life of God wherever we go. Um, now, I've, I've shown a few pictures of some rivers flowing through the desert and through the wilderness in the series. And I just want to put them back up for you now. So you can just get another idea of the river I'm talking about. In these pictures, you'll see there that these are, these are rivers that are flowing through deserts. They are thro- flowing through wildernesses, and yet there's life wherever they're flowing. There are two underlying and very powerful principles that I've been enforcing and, and emphasizing in the series. And the first one is this, is that what we behold is what we become. You know, I don't know if you, I, I remember when my boys were, were smaller, they used to watch movies and then they would, after the movie, they would act out what they saw. If they watched a ninja movie, suddenly now they were ninjas. Maybe you can remember doing the same thing when you were a kid. I remember watching Spider-Man for the first time, and then after that I, I went and put press stick on my fingers and tried to climb up my cupboard because, you know, I thought I was Spider-Man. You know, it's, there's a truth, and it's in the scriptures, it's in life, is that whatever we're beholding, whatever we're looking at, is what we becoming. And so it's so important that we uphold the pictures that God has of our lives, and that we, that we take the time to ponder them and behold them and look at them, because as we do that, we become them. You know, just this last week, Trish and I uh, were praying, and we, were, we brought up this, pic- this picture that Ezekiel was talking about, um, about being rivers of life. And, and we started to declare that over our lives, and we prayed, and we said, said Lord, thank you that we are a river of life, that where, where we go, we bring life. After we finished praying, I put my running shoes on and I went for a jog around my hood. I typically go on a, on, a, on a route and as I started going on that route, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, go, the, go another way. So I was just like, okay, let's, let's go another way. As I went down that way, there was a, a man who had obviously just come out for his morning walk as well, who lives in the neighborhood. And um, I ran past him. As I ran past him, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, no. Go and speak to him. So I put my workout on pause and I went and I spoke to this man, ended up praying for him. He, he ended up in tears, just, you know, he was so deeply touched right there in, in the middle of the road, just praying for this guy. And, and I just felt this, you know, pleasure from the Lord of like, yeah, that's, that's what you are. You know, you are this river of life, Wayne. And, and, and I, and, but that all comes when we uphold the image that God sees of us, you know, when we uphold these, these images of who God says we are, as we behold them, we become them. We start to see them in our lives. So that's the first powerful principle that we're just driving home in the series. The second one is this, is that we do not take our lead from the world. You know, that river that Ezekiel saw in Scripture um, didn't travel through the desert and go, oh, nothing grows here. It didn't arrive at the Dead Sea and conform to the pattern of the Dead Sea and go, oh, no, this sea's dead, so now I have to just die. What we see this river doing is that it's prospering and it's flourishing despite 
the circumstances around it. It's not taking its lead from its circumstances, but it's taking its lead from above, okay? And, and that's how we are to live our lives. Come on, praise God. We actually live from heaven to earth. We, we are connected to the source and the power of God Himself. And so the way we work in this world is we, we don't look to the world and go, oh, okay, if this is the standard, then this is what is. We don't arrive in our workplace that's full of negativity and then conform to that negativity. Or we don't come home to a home that's bound and, I don't know, whatever, just bad relationships or fear or hopelessness or whatever, and then conform to that. No, we're plugged into life itself and rivers of living water flow from our innermost being and and where we go life will flourish we take our lead from heaven so these are just two principles powerful principles that we're just reinforcing every week and i'm just bringing them up to your attention is that guys in the midst of what we're going through we don't take our lead from the world around us we're taking our lead from god from his word and what he says over our lives and we live from that place the key verse is ezekiel 47 verse 9 and we're going to say it together it says life will flourish wherever this water flows can you say it again life will flourish wherever this water flows and if we translate that into new testament language what we're saying is this is that whenever we flow with the spirit of god the water is the spirit of god As the Spirit of God flows through our lives, as we start to learn to live a life of flow, we will start to see our business flourish. We'll start to see our relationships flourish, our ministry flourish. We'll start to see life begin to flourish as we live a life of spirit flow. So that's what we've been going after. And every week we've been talking about just things that unlock the flow of God in our lives, things that unlock the grace of God in our lives. I started off uh, with a word from uh, talking about how when we position ourselves to be a blessing, we experience the flow of God in our lives. You know, just by having a disposition of like, I'm here to be a blessing, it is, is attractive to God and we start to see God flow through us. Why? Because that's what he said to Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and through you, all nations will be blessed. So God wants to bless the world through us. He wants to flow with blessing through us. So when we position ourselves in blessing, God flows through us. When I've spoken about love, and the scripture we looked at there was, you know, when we live in love, we live in God, and God lives through us. When we just take on the disposition of like, we're going to love everybody that's around us. That's our, that's our only thing. That's our only debt is to love the people around us we start to experience the flow of God through us because God is love. And who live and lives in love, in love, God will flow through them. Last week I spoke about the importance of faith and uh, how that unlocks the grace of God to flow in our lives. Today I want to talk about spirit awareness. We're going to go to Luke chapter 8 and we're going to see... Um, this principle of spirit awareness in in the Bible. So if you have a Bible, join me, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Let's read it together. It says, "On On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. All right, crowds were waiting for Jesus. Get the picture. He arrives. And as he arrives, there's this man named Jairus, a leader of the synagogue. And he came and he fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter 
who was about 12 years old, was dying. And as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. So just picture the scene for a moment. Jesus, you know, this, this leader comes to him. My daughter's dying. This is an emergency, okay? This is like a, 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 a serious emergency. Somebody's dying. Come, Jesus. Now there's crowds around him, and Jesus is on this mission. Like, okay, we're going to Jairus' house. We're going we're gonna to go heal this, this, his daughter, Okay, so there's crowds, there's people, there's an emergency, they're moving fast, they're, they're on a mission, they've got to get somewhere, and all these people are in the way, and people are like, Jesus, we love you, Jesus, can I have your autograph, Jesus, Jesus, can you do another sign, another miracle? Everyone's like, there's crowds pressing around him, wanting to see him. Okay, so there's this whole buzz, you get the picture. Now it says, a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And everyone denied it. <laughs> I love that moment. Everyone's denied. I didn't touch you. I didn't touch you. Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Somebody deliberately touched me, for I felt power go out from me. You know, what I find amazing about this is we, we know the story. This woman came forward and Jesus said, go your way, be at peace, you're healed, your faith has healed you. That, that's a whole other story. But, but what I want us to notice here is, is how Jesus, in the midst of an emergency and in the midst of like crowds pressing around him, was still spirit aware. He was still aware of what the spirit was doing. What are you like when there's crowds of people around you? What are you like when you're in a rush? You're going to an emergency. You're driving somewhere. You've, you're late. You've got to get to an appointment. Where the, or you, you're trying to get to the mall and there's crowds of people in your way. Um, you know, wh- what are we like in those moments? I don't know about you, but I, like, I get narrow focused. I'm like, if I get my shopping list and I'm like, that's all I'm focusing on. I don't see anything or hear anything else, you know. And what's amazing here in the story is that this woman actually didn't even touch Jesus. She touched the, the fringe of his robe. So there was no like, there was no like, she didn't poke him or touch him like in a, in a specific way that made him stop and, and, and like realize somebody had, had poked him. She just touched the hem of his garment. And she was made well, which is just incredible. You know, there's that scripture, prophecy, Old Testament prophecies of there'll be healing in his wings. And, and that was it. You know, in the wings of his coat, she touched the wings of his coat and she was healed. Beautiful. That Messiah just healing, flowing through him, accessed by faith. Incredible story. The whole point is this, is that Jesus was aware. He, he knew in the midst of that crazy moment, he was aware of what the Spirit was doing. And, and attentive to what the Spirit was doing. And this is just something that we see in the life of Jesus all the time, throughout the Gospels. This is, he lived in the, the Spirit awareness. You know, he would look at crowds and he would say things like, they are like sheep without a shepherd. Um, so he wouldn't just be seeing the crowd, but he would be seeing the spiritual condition of the crowd. Uh, you know, when, when he would be walking through 
crowds of people, um, he would have the ability to look and see Zacchaeus in the tree and say, that's where we're going to do lunch. Salvation has come to your house. Like he knew where his lunch appointments were. He was being led by the Spirit. You know, he saw Matthew, who was a tax collector, a sellout to the Jews, collecting taxes from the Jews, working for the Romans. What a sellout. Jesus looks at him and says, come follow me. And he just drops everything. Jesus, Jesus lived with this awareness of where the Spirit was and, and what the Spirit was doing. And, and, he, was, and he lived a, a life that was Spirit-led and attentive to where his father was. It was like he was on his own clock. Everybody was like, hey, Jesus, people are looking for you. And he's like, yeah, but I'm going to these towns. It's like he was, he was never led by circumstances. He was never led um, by, by other people and other agendas. He was always led by the Spirit. And, and so Jesus is our prototype. He's our, he's our model of how, how do we do this thing called human? You know? how, do, how do we be as human as we can be? And what he's modeling to us is, is a life of, of being spirit-led and attentive to what the spirit is. If we're going to live a life of flow, we're going to have to be spirit-aware. We're going to have to be aware of what the spirit is, aware of our spirit man, seeing with the eyes of the spirit and looking past just the surface level to see what's behind. You know, when, when we see people, do we just see a person and what's in front of us or do we see loneliness or do we see hurt or do we see an opportunity for the gospel? There's, you know, there's, we, you know, we can look with the surface level eyes, but then there's the eyes of the spirit that we can look with. And if we want to live a life of flow, we're going to have to learn how to be more spirit aware. So the question is, well, then, like, how do we do that? Right? How, how do we live that sort of life? Jesus would often uh, say the statement. When, you know, he would be preaching and there would be like amazing parables that he would be sharing. And then he often at the end of his preach or like the stories that he would share, he would attach these words. He would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right? You've, I'm sure you've seen that in the Gospels. And, and it's also a phrase that's repeated in the book of the Revelation where um, it says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So what we see with Jesus is that there's a difference between having ears and having ears to hear. And what Jesus meant was this, is that the things of God require a special level of attention and focus. You know, if you just bring your normal eyes, you're not going to see. If you just bring your normal ears, you're not going to hear. The things of the Spirit require a special level of attention and focus. I'm going to say it again. If, if we want to live a spirit-led life, we have got to have a, a special attention and focus on the spirit. Otherwise, we will miss God. We won't see God. I mean, have you, have you ever seen in the Gospels Jesus busy or distracted? <clears throat> I mean, would we ever use the word busy to describe Jesus? <laughs> we, we wouldn't. He, you know, he, he was always present. He was always attentive. He was always aware. He was always living life from a deeper place. He was never living just on the surface level like we do so often. And so if, if we really want to live with spirit awareness, we, we've got to learn how to give special attention and focus to the spirit in our lives. Ronald Rollheiser said the following. He said, in modern life, um, 
we live in a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or pray, but simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. Isn't that powerful? Let me just say that last bit again. He says, we live in a climate with which it is difficult not just to think about God or pray, but simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. Does that describe your life? I mean, do you find it difficult to think about God or to pray? Would people describe you as someone who lives from a from an interior depth. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, we are distracting ourselves into a spiritual oblivion. <laughs> How's that language? Into a spiritual oblivion. He said, pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. I think we could all say a big Amen to that. That's so true. You know, we are so distracted. We are so busy. We're often in such a rush. We're so so restless. I mean, that really is the sickness of our age, is of our time that we're living in. We are so consumed continuously with things of this world that we we don't have ears to hear. And we don't have eyes to see where God is moving because our eyes... And our ears are busy with other things. And if we want to be spirit aware, it's going to require a special level of of attention and focus from us. David Wells said this in his book, God in the Whirlwind. He said, "The the second challenge I'm going to mention is the extraordinary bombardment on our minds that goes on every day from a thousand different sources that leave us distracted with our minds going simultaneously in multiple directions. How then can we receive from, the script, from Scripture the truth God has for us if we cannot focus long enough, linger long enough to receive the truth? Every age has its own challenges. This one is ours. It's the affliction of distraction. So there it is right there. The reason why we do not live a spirit-aware life is because we are distracted. We are busy. We are in a hurry. I mean, psychologists have even termed the phrase now hurry sickness. It's actually a, it's a, it's a sickness. All right? They call it hurry sickness. And they, they say it's a behavior characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Continual multitasking, never able to sit still, be quiet, ponder, meditate, or consider. I mean, if you had to diagnose our generation that we're living in, that would be a very good... I mean, I would say this is pervasive. This is, this is, this is a pandemic, all right, that we have on our hands. It's, it's called hurry sickness. Dallas Willard said the following. He said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Carl Jung said, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. (laughs) How powerful is that? So, we are 
bombarded on every side. We are distracted on every side. We're busy every minute of every day when we're in the shopping queues. We're on our phones. If we're in traffic, we're listening to the radio. If we're at work, we've maybe got our earphones on listening to music. If we're traveling in the taxis, you know, we're, we're listening to music again or something else. There's every moment of our day has just become so busy and so full that we actually don't have ears to hear. And we don't have eyes to see where the Spirit is moving. Okay? Um, there's this really uh, interesting thing I found, this passage about um, how it's, it's kind of like this little story about how Satan called this massive uh, convention for all the demons in the world. So he had a conference, okay? And he, he called all his demons together. And in his opening address, Satan said this to all these demons. He said, we cannot keep Christians from going to church. We cannot keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. The important thing we must do is keep them from forming an intimate relationship with their Savior. Once again, that connection with Jesus, once they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to their churches. Let them have their um, worship days. So, so they but steal their time so they don't have time to develop a relationship with Jesus. This is what I want you to do, said the devil. Distract them so that they do not have time to build and maintain a relationship with Jesus throughout their day. And all the demons shouted, how shall we do this? And he says, keep them busy with the non-essentials of life. Invent numeral, numeral schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spend, 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 borrow, borrow, borrow. Persuade them to work six to seven days each week, 10 to 12 hours a day. Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that still, small voice of God speaking to them. Entice them to have noise around them always so they cannot hear Christ speaking to them. Fill their coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Hammer their minds with the news 24 hours a day. Flood their mailboxes with, with emails of all kinds, promotions, free offers, products, services. Keep them busy. Keep them distracted. You know, if we're going to be people, guys, <laughs> who are spirit aware, we are going to have to aggressively and ruthlessly eliminate hurry and distraction from our lives. Can somebody say amen to that? How, how do we do that? How, how do we eliminate hurry and distraction from our lives? You know, it's, it's easier said than done. Um, you know, how do, how do we live in this world but not be of this world? You know, in, in, in the first couple centuries, it's quite interesting if we go to history and we look at, you know, just the different moves of Christianity throughout the ages. In the first couple centuries, we, we noticed that the church was healthy and flourishing and advancing, but it was also persecuted. And then what happened in the third century was we, we see Constantine, Emperor Constantine coming in and he passes the Edict of Milan and and, and basically Christianity becomes like a state religion, a popular thing. And, and all these people flood into the church. And, and suddenly, you know, w- without repenting and getting born again or baptized, and, and they come in with all their pagan traditions and cultures and different religious mindsets. And, and basically the church becomes very secular, becomes very lascivious and, and hedonistic. And the church was it just... It had lost what, it, what Jesus intended it to be. And, and what you see in that time is, 
is 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 that there were a number of Christians who uh, who started to withdraw from society and withdraw from the church, and they started to form these things called monasteries. You've you've seen and heard of monasteries and monks, and they would withdraw and from from life completely, and they would they would take these vows of of chastity, which means basically like they they were not ever going to have a spouse and they were not going to know any sort of physical pleasure. A, a vow of chastity. So like I will not enjoy life and, and, and partake of anything in life. I mean, I just do not think that's a, a good vow to take. Okay? A vow of chastity. Uh, they took a vow of poverty, which means they're, like, they're not going to own any possessions. And they took a vow of obedience. And they just basically withdrew completely from life with the whole purpose of, of just trying to become spirit aware or aware of God. So they went to these extreme measures to to withdraw and their their understanding was that you know that possessions are a distraction and families and children are a distraction and the pleasures of the world are a distraction and so they would <clears throat> they built these walls and these communities and they took these vows and they they withdrew every to do what to try and cultivate spiritual awareness uh, connection and closeness with God and you know what I love about the life of Jesus is that <laughs> We don't see him doing that in the, in the Gospels. What I love about Jesus is that in the midst of busyness, in the midst of crowds, in the midst of emergencies, he was still aware of what the Spirit was doing. I mean, Jesus had a full schedule, I'm pretty sure. He was in demand. But, but, but he still managed to be in this world and, and live a Spirit-aware life. And we see the same thing modeled in, in the apostles. And so we don't have to go to extremes and, and, and like just cut ourselves off from society and, and like, you know, burn our cell phones or what, I don't know, whatever. You know, we don't have to do crazy extreme things like that. What we see modeled in Jesus and the apostles is that we can live in this world and still be spirit aware. And the way they were able to do that was... Because they were able to do something so simple, something that you and I can do in our lives. And that is that Jesus knew when and, and he knew how and when to withdraw from the world. He, he didn't withdraw continually from the world, but there were moments in his life where he, met, he, he specifically withdrew from the crowds. He withdrew. He would get up early in the morning while it was still dark and he would go to a solitary place. He knew how to steal time to be with God, to be with his Father. He knew how to withdraw from the world. You know, we see this, uh, if we put this into modern language, we would say that Jesus knew how to down tools. Jesus knew how to unplug. He knew how to turn off his cell phone. He knew how to um, turn off the Wi-Fi. He knew how to withdraw from the world so that he could spend time with his father. It's a principle we see in Moses' life as well. Moses had this place called the Tent of Meeting where he would go and meet with God. But he pitched that tent outside the camp. You know, the camp is, is the busyness of life. The camp is where the cooking's taking place and there's, you know, kids are running around and, and all sorts of business is happening in the camp, you know. Moses pitched his tent outside the camp and, and he would go and spend time with, with Father God. 
And so we see this pattern in scriptures that we can live spirit aware in the midst of a world if we know how and when to withdraw from the busyness of life. So this is the word that I want to leave you with today. Is that, saints, we need to withdraw. We need to know how and we need to know when to withdraw from the busyness of life. We need to learn how to unplug and detach from busyness and hurry and distraction and and cultivate some time where we can become aware of our spirit man, of our condition before God, of His still small voice. A couple of weeks ago, I shared the example of George Washington Carver and how he would go out early in the morning into the woods and spend time with God. Saints, if, if we're not doing that, if we're not able to do that, we will never... We will never be able to live a life that's spirit aware. We'll never be able to see where God is moving and what He's saying to us and be led by Him in, in our dealings during the day. You know, we, we, we withdraw in order to come back and live a life that is one of spirit flow, flowing, the, the grace and the Spirit of God flowing through us. In, in military terms, they call it a tactical withdrawal. I like that. A tactical withdrawal. Some of us need to have a tactical withdrawal. You know, tactical, you know, it's, it's talking about like you're in battle and you're realizing if you stay here and you keep going the way you go, you're going to lose. And so what you do is you withdraw to a position of strength and you get ammunition and you get supplies, not so that you can never go back to battle, but so that you can go back and win the battle. It's a tactical withdrawal. Some of us need to do that. We have to learn how to unplug and, and daily and weekly and monthly and, and take these moments and steal moments with God. You know, you can start your day by withdrawing and spending time with God, but you can also find these moments during the day where, man, maybe you've got nothing to do. Don't fill it with, with, with social media. Don't fill it with something else. Why don't you take that moment and, and, and let it be a moment where you withdraw to be with God? Because I'm telling you now, the life that we're looking for is a spirit-led life. There's nothing more exciting, there's nothing more impactful than a spirit-led life. I mean, you look at the life of Jesus. He spent three years in ministry and changed the world. You know, just three years. Why were those three years so powerful? was because he only did what he saw his father doing. So life will flourish wherever the water flows. And, and so we've got to have some water flowing through our lives. We've got to learn how to live attentive to the Spirit of God and where the Spirit of God is moving. There is this, these scientists, when uh, Trish and I went to Dr. Arch Hart and he was teaching us some things, he, he spoke about this experiment that they did on mice where they hooked up this uh, sensor onto, the, onto, the, onto a, a mouse's brain, and every time a mouse went and pushed a pedal with its paw, it would, it would send a dopamine rush to the mouse's brain. And um, it's the same rush that you and I get from multitasking, the same rush that we get from scrolling on social media, you know, scrolling up, scrolling up. Or, or the same rush you get when you're gambling and you push that button and you wait for all those bananas to line up or if they ever, or those cherries or whatever. It's the same rush you get from, from uh, doing to-dos on your, on your list and, and, and work. And that dopamine rush is what they gave to the mouse every time it pushed the pedal. 
And you know what happened to those mice? They, they all died. Okay? And the reason why they died was, was not from that the pedal was doing anything harm. The reason why they died was because they never stopped pushing the pedal and went, they actually died of starvation. They never went and ate food because they were getting more pleasure from that dopamine rush. And you know, that's such, a, that's such a picture of us today. We are like those mice. You know, we are, we are overstimulated. Um, we're busy. We're distracted. There's this constant dopamine rush that we're going for in our lives. And we're not going to the food that satisfies, which is the Word of God, which is prayer, which is intimacy with God. And we've got to learn how to, how to turn this thing off. We've got to learn how to withdraw and go to the food that will actually nourish us and, and feed us and help us to live uh, a spirit-led life. And so my encouragement, let me, I'll conclude with this, is that if we want to live a life of flow, we've got to become more aware of the spirit in our lives. And that's only going to happen as we detach from this world, we withdraw from this world, and, and we plug into God. And so I want to encourage you, and I want to pray for you to, to look at your week ahead and, and ask yourself this question, where, where can I detach from, from this world? Where can I steal time to be with God? And I want to encourage you to aggressively, aggressively go after a life that is unhurried, that is not overstimulated, that's not too busy, and so that you don't have time to think or you don't have ears to hear and you don't have eyes to see where God is moving in your life. Where God is moving in your life is the most important place to be. It is the most important place to be. That is the place of impact. That is the place of fulfillment. That is the place of power. That is the place where you're going to see the blessing. That's the place where you're going to see um, all the things you want to see in your life. Your destiny fulfilled is, is where God is moving. So let's be those people that are spiritually aware and, and, and moving and flowing where God is flowing. Amen. So let me just pray for you. Father, we thank you for this word. And I just pray, Father, for everyone who's listening to me who is, who is just struggling in the area of just busyness and hurry, sickness. And Lord, I pray that right now you would just come and, and, and that you would touch every person who, who is just feeling trapped in the life of busyness. And you would come with light, Father God, and you would begin to uh, just show a way out, show a way to build, show them a way to live so that they can be unhurried and, and, and attentive to you in their, in their lives. Father, I pray that you break off the shackles of distraction and um, anxiety that are keeping people bound. Now ask, Father God, that you would fill every person that's listening today with life and energy and zeal and a renewed strength to pursue you, to pursue the word and time with you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Saints, we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much for that word, Pastor Wayne. You know, the key word in that was we withdraw. We need to withdraw from the world and be with God so that we can be with God. So another ways or rather another way for us to withdraw from the world is when we partake in the communion, in the communion of Jesus Christ, whereby we remember what he did for us, whereby he died for us, and he was resurrected. So 
this moment in time can you just prepare your elements and prepare your heart because right now we are about to enter into a space whereby we commune we're not only just going to commune but we're going to look internally within ourselves you know whereby there are areas that we need to let go and let god and let jesus take care of this is a moment whereby you need to do a self-retrospect look deeply within and whatever that you need to put down to the altar you need to put down before the lord before the cross this is a moment now so i'm just going to allow you just take a moment and just reflect on that amen so we're going to be reading from uh matthew 26 from verse 26 to 28 this is a, a scene whereby the last supper was had and that's when we get introduced to us having fellowship and communion with christ and jesus says that we need to do this in remembrance of him i'm going to read that right now and he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to god for it he gave it to them and said each of you drink from it for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Can we take our cups and drink the blood? Holy Spirit, we thank you, God. We thank you that in this moment and in this time, O oh God, as we have taken, O oh God, of these elements, as we have taken of your blood, O oh God, and of your and of your body, Lord Jesus. We thank you, O oh God, that whatever that we are trusting for, whatever that we need right now, O oh God, whether it be physically, O oh God, whether we need healing, O oh God, for those who are sick right now, O oh Father God, I thank you that by your blood, O oh God, and by the body, O oh God, by the stripes, O oh God, that you were wounded, O oh God. We thank you that, Lord Jesus, anyone who's sick and who's needing healing right now, they're receiving it in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that every yoke, every tie, almighty God, that needs to be broken, it's being broken right now in the name of Jesus. Father, let the blood, oh God, let your blood heal, oh God. And Father God, with the same blood, oh God, that um, the, the, the children of Israel, oh God, that they, 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 they used it in their, in their doorposts, oh God, and the angel of death past, oh God. Even in such a time, oh God, whereby we are so um, so afraid and we're so not sure, oh God. There's so much that is going on. People are dying, oh God. I thank you, good By your blood, oh God, the spirit of death will pass in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you are breaking any yoke, oh God, any partnership, any form of lies and deception, oh God. And I thank you that, Father God, there will come a realization of who you are, oh God, and what you did on that cross, oh God. Not only that, Father God, that you, Jesus, just died, but you died and you resurrected you died and you resurrected and we believe that today as we are partaking in this and if you partook and you did not understand what you were doing i'd like to invite you into the space into the space whereby you withdraw from from everything from every voice from every lie from every form of business that you've encountered in your life from fear from deception 
from, from hurt, from whatever, from depression and whatever form of anxiety. May you just withdraw from that because we need to be spiritually aware of the things that are happening. There's so much that is happening right now, so many voices, and those things need to be quietened down. So right now, when I speak against those voices, if ever you're feeling like you're hearing voices of uh, whispering fear, right now I, I want to rebuke that spirit and say, get out in the name of Jesus. This is not your place. Right now, in spaces of fear, I speak peace in the name of Jesus. Whereby there is chaos, I speak peace in the name of Jesus. I call upon the, the name of Jesus upon you. May the atmosphere begin to shift right now. As you have just partook of this, may the atmosphere, wherever you are, whenever you're feeling like like you are uh, coming under fear, you are coming under the spirit of death, whatever, sickness, whatever. May you remember that Christ paid it all for you. Christ conquered it all for you. Remember that the battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. And whatever that you are feeling like you're going under, you're feeling like, you know, you're at war. Remember that everything that you need, you have it in the name of Jesus. You have it in the name of Jesus. And we call upon you, just recognize him. Recognize what you have. Recognize who you're walking with and what you're dealing with. For the battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. Remember that as you're going through the week, remember that the battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. And yeah, if you feel like, you know, ah, I want to know more about this God. I want to know more about this Christ. I want to know more about the resurrection. The opportunity is always there. Christ is always there. Christ is always there. God is omnipresent. Even in this moment and in time, as you are sitting there and listening to this, by, in this, by listening and partnering with what we're saying, God is in the midst. God is here. So I'd like to take you through the prayer. You know, the gospel says that, you know, the word of God became man. And in him becoming man, he took everything. He felt everything that we, we were supposed to feel. You know, he took, the, he took the penalty that was supposed to be ours, the death that was supposed to die. He died for us. But he did not only die. You know, on the third day, he arose. And when he arose, he went up and he's sitting next to the Father. Can you just imagine that? Not only just sitting, but he's interceding for me and you day and night. So I'd like to invite you into that relationship, into that fellowship with Christ. So let's pray. So you're going to repeat these words as I, as, I, as I say this prayer. And we believe that after you've confessed with your mouth that you will be saved. But that's not just it. That's the beginning of the journey. You need to now enter into a relationship, you know, honing the relationship, getting used to him, getting to know him, getting to know the Holy Spirit, getting to know the Father. And you do that by, you know, getting yourself linked with the Bible believing church, Bible preaching church. And you know, we also have connect groups, uh, contact our area leaders whereby you need to be connected. And you know, that's where your spiritual growth will be available. And you'll get to know the Holy Spirit. You'll get to know Jesus. You'll get to know God, your Father. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I've failed, oh God. And that I fall short of your glory each and every day. I fall short of your grace each and every day, Almighty God. I know that I cannot do it on my own. So I need you in my life. I need you in my life. Jesus, I invite you to come and take ownership of everything and everything that I am, of my entire being. 
I surrender my life to you and I proclaim you that you are God, that you are Lord of Lords, that there is no one, no one who is greater than you. Come wash me with your blood, cleanse me of my sin, cleanse me of my shame and give me the spirit of sonship. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every soul who has prayed this prayer, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you're beginning to cause a shift in their lives. You're beginning to create a turnaround in their lives, oh God. That whatever was broken, oh God, you're making it whole right now. That whatever, oh God, was lost, oh God, it is found. Whatever dreams, oh God, that have been lost and have been buried, oh God, they are being resurrected right now. I thank you for the resurrection power, mighty Jesus, that is available right now, God. We bless your name, God. We bless your name, Father. And you know, the Bible tells us that when a soul turns from their ways and they recognize that God is God and that Jesus is our Lord, there's a party in heaven, there's forevermore rejoicing in heaven. And I believe right now that, you know, your name is being written in the book of life. And we will see you, my brother. We will see you, my sister. Whenever the day comes for us to be with the Lord in in heaven, we shall see you. But now, remember that. Don't lose the faith. Practice your faith. Practice your relationship. Journey with him. I thank you. And church, it has been wonderful. It has been great. Remember, not to be too consumed by the noise in the world. Plug out, withdraw. Spend time. Take care of your quiet time. Take care of your quiet time. You know, uh, invest more. Invest more in the time that you spend with the Lord. And take that throughout the week and you'll see something. You'll see something. You'll begin to hear more of God. You'll begin to see more. You'll begin to tap into the presence of God. Thank you so much and see you next week, guys. Cheers. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.